Luca Nation, Luca. you guys are uh, in for a treat because this is going to be an episode where I'm I'm kind of like a fly on the wall just learning. Uh, the gentleman sitting in front of me, two handsome gentlemen sitting in front of me, Cage, obviously you guys know him, but Mark Mater. And this is a guy you're going to want to follow on Instagram and just uh, popcorn with questions and also maybe window shop and take a look at his collection. Uh, but hopefully today, this next you know hour that we spend together, you guys get will get a feel of how that collection came to came to be, right? Because collections aren't built over days; they're built over years and decades. And I always want to get in kind of inside the brain of what it takes to build such an amazing collection. So this gentleman loves vintage. This gentleman loves high grade rookie autos. This gentleman loves tickets and signed ticket stubs from you know uh, the 1970s, 60s, and and all that stuff. So I hope you guys kind of tune in. Uh, get rid of all the distractions. This might be an episode you kind of play back two or three times and, and, and really get a chance to kind of to learn. Without further ado, Mr. Mark Mater, welcome to the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. I'm going to tell you why I needed to have Mark on. Because I looked into the future. I did this crazy science experiment, and I combined Andrew and me. And I said, all right, if we could combine the two of us and go 20, 30 years in the future and make the best that we could both bring for the thousands of people who listen to us every day, the combined. And I said, we're going to take a tour around Mark Mader's mind. And we were lucky enough five <laughs> minutes before this episode to kind of get a little tour of his house. And he's got Kobe jerseys on the wall as you walk into his gym. So that's the Andrew part, Kobe in the gym. The cool cards, the cool memorabilia, just the fact that he's collecting. I'm never going to the gym. You can close the gym section for me. That Andrew can hang out in there. But, I mean, the this – it's awesome. It's fun stuff. I'm thrilled to be able to geek out with you. But the the additional thing, Andrew and I come at this collecting from from a different um, you know angle. And he's a fan of Mahomes, where I'm a fan of Marino. And we in that little scroll around your room and your collection, I saw a Marino jersey and a Mahomes jersey. Yeah. So I mean, here we are. You know, like you're you're the consummate collector, and you're collecting both of them. So we got to ask Andrew: Do we just jump right off? Do I steal your question and say the origin story? When did you realize that you were bit by the collecting bug? Like, what was the first time you collected something? How did we start down this road that you've, you know, you've now gone on for many, many years? Oh, sure. So, 80s, you know, I was in the junk wax era, you know, just collecting 80s baseball cards only, trading with guys. It was before grading was around. And um, that's how I originally got into it. And then married. Golf War, Mogadishu, I did the, I was in the army for a while. And then, oh, I thought you were um, telling me your marriage was like going to the Gulf War. No, you actually were in the Gulf War. <laughs> okay, all right. it's, it's like underwater for five minutes, man. Like, don't worry, your wife's not going to listen to us. It's okay. You can be honest. It's all right. <laughs> but, um, you know, and they, so I got a little distracted from my collecting, but I kept on to my collection, you know, and then, you know, as things progressed, I got into autographs and baseballs and, Really decided I was going to collect rare, vintage, rare stuff that no, just really nobody else has. I didn't want the mass-produced, low-quality cards anymore. I wanted stuff that was unique and you know made people raise their eyebrows when they looked at my collection. Was it cards then memorabilia, or memorabilia then cards for you? It was cards then memorabilia, then back hey, to cards. Cage, you remember the Desert Storm cards you talked to me about? Yeah. The yep. Chipper Jones. Yeah. Yep. Are you familiar with those, Mark? I mean, it's probably a stupid question, but like, I'm sure oh, you know that. Absolutely. So I just did one with Jeremy Lee uh, podcast. And then, um, so big time into Desert Shield cards. And when I was over in Desert Storm, those things were only issued to troops in, desert, right. in the desert. So they were given, so to get them back into the United States in high quality was tough. Um, so I, I fell in love with them. They were, um, Still a, a low quality card, but you know it had the foil stamp on there. They were uh, produced in a limited production um, for the troops. I think I think it limited to 500 um, sets or five maybe 5,000 sets, but not too many sets were out there. And then um, so and then if you look at my Instagram, you'll see that I have a Chipper Jones 10. I also have <laughs> of course. I also have uh, uh, Ken Griffey. I had the whole set at one time, but I have it. I kept the Ken Griffey. It's a nine, but it's got a 10 auto. So, you know, Griffey's one of my favorite players. I grew up with, you know, watching him through high school. And so, 
Yeah, Griffey's awesome. That set's I, impossible yeah. in high grade. I think the uh, only one in my collection in a ten is a Clemens. I like it because it's in front of the you know Green Monster. It's a cool picture. Of oh Clemens. sure. And and I was able to afford it because the Chipper Jones. That's <laughs> that's that's in a ten is ridiculous. Well, it's crazy. I mean, uh, when I when I actually obtained that in 2017, it was I think around five grand, and I yeah. thought then it was t- tough. Um, but you know, I think it's what 15, 20 now. Yep. Yeah. How how did that release hit with the troops? You know, was it like, hey, we were collectors as kids, and this is just like nostalgic? Was it like we're not really that interested in cards? It was it was something the tops did for morale purposes, and the first sergeants all got them in all the companies. And they started handing them out to troops as they were feeding them. Little packs here, packs here, packs there. Well, guys that came in that were collectors like I was in the 80s that were over in Desert Shield and Desert Storm, I would gather them up. People were discarding them, throw them in the garbage, throw them in their duffel bag, and I would trade them things for it. And I'd get a whole bunch of packs, and I took them home with me. On behalf of our audience, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Like, thank you for serving our country. It's funny the day that we're recording this. Uh, I know our audience is, is very patriotic and we believe we live in the greatest country in the world and the freedoms that we have and we get to just buy cardboard and, and kind of live the life of our dreams. Thank you for serving our country. I appreciate that. Thank now, you. now, let's dig no, into that out of the I way. noticed <laughs> you don't have a single SGC or Beckett graded card on the main page. Explain to me at what point you became a PSA uh. snob. <laughs> Ooh, man, uh, man, they, are, <laughs> they are the gold standard i will tell you that and they do bring a premium for their grades okay now with their grading standards it's tough i mean it's tough to even get a 10 but um i started with them beckett was tough to deal with at first i started with psa um i will tell you this some of the things that psa wouldn't grade for me i just turned around and sent them to beckett and they would grade them so I mean, it's that's how crazy the grading area is. Um, I don't know how it is as much that way with Beckett and, and PWC or PSA now, but um, that's what I would do. Beckett was my always my go-to if I couldn't get anything graded with P, PSA. It was, it was your it was your backup plan. It was your side. Piece. No, my back my backup plan. Yep. <laughs> this guy I cheated with cheated the people I cheated with with PSA. <laughs> Shh. Shh. Were those were the were the rookie cards that you bought? Did you go and get them signed? Did you like go to events and find Griffey? You know, f- find those guys and have them sign them themselves? Like, were you like if we just back up for just a second and like, mm-hmm. were you buying graded cards or were you on the hunt after you came back? You know, and kind of walk me through that. Okay, so I got after I came back, I kept on to all my Desert Shield cards. Started getting them graded when I started back into cards again, but none of those are in my collection anymore. Not one of them. So um, I did go on the hunt, though, after I did discard or sold or whatever I did with the desert, original Desert Storm set. I went back on the hunt for a Chipper Jones, Bo Jackson, Ken Griffey. Um, found all those. I ended up finding the Ken Griffey signed, the highest grade. It's a one of one. Um and the Chipper Jones, I bought off PWCC auction, ended up getting that one. And then Bo Jackson, I've had a few of those throughout the time. Let's say, I, I know you're uh, your grandpa, you have kids. Let, let's, let's, let's play out a hypothetical, right? <laughs> let's say your grandkids, they're 18, or right? And they're in the, they got in the hobby in 2020, right? They rode this up and down. And now they're sitting there in front of you, in front of the dinner table, uh, you know, say Grace. And then they're like, you know, I want to learn this hobby. I want to understand this hobby. What advice would you give to them today? Today? Uh, just like I told you. Rare, scarcity, rarity, um, significance. It's got to be relevant to our culture today. It's got to be scarce where you can hardly find it. You're not going to see it in every auction every month. And it's got to be uh, just a rare piece. You can't, can't have a population of 8,000 or, you know, prism uh what do you call it you know prism that came out with all these sets and then psa backed up and then all of a sudden they loosened up everything and you have uh, zion williams went from a population of 100 psa 10s to 8,000 in the prism silver but mark i can't afford it it's too expensive those the cards that you're buying for 15k do you want me so should i sell all of my cards and just own one 
if I were to advise you, I would, I would, that's exactly what I'd do. I would not own a ton of cards that have math mass produced and everybody has one. You can, you can get it in any auction because eventually the demand for those are going to go down with demand going down. The price is going to go down. If you get a rare item that's very scarce, but relevant, and you can only get it every so often, once every five years via my Jackie Robinson debut ticket, um, once every 10 years, you're, I mean, you can, you can command the, the, uh, the market on that one. So, so Andrew, the answer to your question there though, is it's your question was not specific enough. So the question is, what would I do? Mark answered it from almost an advisor fiscal advisor standpoint that if your goal mm. is to get in there and buy something that you think is going to appreciate in value over time. And you know, what was fun, what Mark said at the end is you can kind of control the narrative around pricing because it's only going to come up once every five years, once every 10 years, you can, you can dictate what that thing is going to sell for. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's not going to happen with a prism, you know, Zion. So the next question I guess that Andrew's asking is, you know, Let's put it back to you know your grandkids, right? They come to you. They mm -hmm. they they didn't do this. They were having more fun. They weren't listening to you. They didn't come to you for advice in in the run up in early 2020. They just got swept up in the the magic of it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The madness of it. The you know the I want to buy something. Let's just say they think John ja, 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 ja Morant is going to be the next um, the, the next Michael Jordan, and they're sure mm -hmm. of it, right? Mm -hmm. And they bought a whole bunch of different jaw cards. Is there any way that they can remain a jaw collector in your eyes and they can buy jaw? Is that to go out and seek out a specific jaw, like a, a real rare jaw card? Or you just say, oh, I'm not even, the modern stuff is just not my world. Mm, oof, the modern stuff isn't my world. But if they really were dead set on it, get a game used jersey, rookie game used jersey. Okay. All right. To start off with, um, you see in the mass production of cards right now, sure, they're rainbows and they're one of fives, but you can go back to another color and get a one of 25. Same card, one of 30 or one of, you know what I'm saying? So they're, they're, they're different colors. And yeah, it's fun to collect the rainbows of these guys. And I do with the Burroughs because, you know, Joe Burroughs from around here. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, I stick with scarcity and rarity. I mean, and there's a difference. There's a distinction there between it can be rare and not and not scarce. I mean, it could be um, it still could go. These things can change hands every month in an auction. If it's scarce, you're not finding it every month in an auction. You know? Right. Like with, uh, with the Lucas, we see this cage like obviously no, the blue crazy. color with the blue color match. OK, people revere it. But then in the next auction, there's a pulsar purple and then there's a pink pulsar. And that's really should be all aggregated into supply right because it's prism and then there's all of the parallels versus so you'd go rookie jersey rookie game used jersey where do people find those though like i, I don't think they're, yeah. they're as Hence readily the scarcity. Early. exactly exactly <laughs> hey, look Mark, where do they what find them look what you did <laughs> you taught them that's exactly right well you where don't do see you them, them every day on ebay i know pwcc is now expanding into game warm but you don't usually see the best stuff being auctioned off Exactly. Go this is where connections come into play. This is where, yeah. you know, you know, meeting people, making deals with people. Um, you know, I know where a really nice Abraham Lincoln PSA slab 10 auto is right now that hasn't come out to the market yet. And I was looking for one and I'm weighing whether or not I should buy it. People will I never see it. You, never, you know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> quiet, quiet. You're going to blow it but up. I, I, will, I will tell you this. Um, once you start collecting those type of things, the collections start finding you. So they start, people start coming to you with these things, knowing you're a buyer for these things. And you don't get swept up in the, in the mass produced um, narrative. You know, it's such a, this pop count on these, some of these cards is so diluted. It's just, it's crazy that, you know, some of these young guys get caught up in it. Mark, you know how like, so Bill Gates, you know, built Microsoft and he's like, I'm, I'm not going to leave a lot to my kids. I'm going to donate it. Right. Versus other entrepreneurs, other CEOs, you know, they build huge businesses and they, they pass it on to their kids and grandkids. That's sure. stuff you have there. Right. Not the weights, not the elliptical machine, but the gorgeous jerseys. I mean, you have, that's a Jackie Robinson signed jersey behind you. Right. No, it's Duke, Duke Snyder. Duke, Duke Snyder. Okay. I'd love, I'd love to yeah, meet him. Sure. He's probably a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 
can't. <laughs> can't beat him. He's gone. He's, oh, he's not from he debuted, Hazard. That's passed. Yeah, he's died. He well, put it this way: he debuted two days after Jackie Robinson did with the Dodgers. Was he as good? On the seventeenth. Oh yeah, yeah, he's better, better than Jackie Robinson. Jackie Definitely Robinson wasn't really that great. <laughs> yeah, it did. Jackie Robinson didn't have that great of stats. I mean, he was a good player, but I mean. There was more significance to Jackie's debut than there was to um, anybody else's, just because of culture reasons. So, how do you think about it? He won an MVP. You... Yeah. Jackie did. Yeah. How do yeah, you think about it? Yeah, he won the Rookie of the Year, didn't he? I think yeah. that the award's named after him, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. that year was That's the first time they gave it out. But yeah, a hundred percent. We're gonna get into the Duke of Flatbush. We're gonna get into like Cole Farilla was a better player than. Uh, than Jackie was, and then oh, we're really sure. gonna go down. We're really gonna go down a road here. We could argue all that day long, but I okay. actually, go back, Andrew. What you were saying about the jerseys and everything, and, well, and leaving you, them. Are, to... are you planning to kind of pass it down to you know to your kids and grandkids? Like, how do you think about it? Because you, it's interesting. Like, you, it probably took you decades to amass that collection. Like you said, this stuff sure. doesn't come up for sale very often, right? It's not like you could just go yeah. to PWCC, buy, 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 and that gets shipped. How do you think yeah. about passing it on, right? Keeping it in the family. So you, you build a trust. Um, Cage could probably attest to this. You, you form a trust and you could pretty much dictate who it goes to and what they can do with it. And if they decide they don't want it anymore, it doesn't get sold. It gets transferred to somebody else. So um, do you can line it that way. This stuff that I have hanging on these walls around here is a dime a dozen. There's signed jerseys. Um, but the scarce stuff that I have locked in my vault on the other side of the house um, with my AR-15s, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Jackie Robinson debut, the, uh, you know, just the, the 19, um, was it the 1919 Black Sox uh, game one World Series ticket? I mean, all that stuff. It's just that stuff is uh, that's generational um, investments that I'm making that I'm going to transfer down to grandkids and and it will not leave this family. Andrew, 1919 Black Sox World Series Game 1 ticket. Do you know what happened to the first batter? That was rigged. Somebody bribed those people. But you know what happened to the first batter for Cincinnati? He he got hit with a $100 ball. You know why he got hit? You're a writer than you know. He got hit by a pitch. Yeah. You know why? To signal to the betters that the fix fix was was in. The the betters had Eddie Seacott hit the first batter with a pitch. To signal that the, the fix was in, pretty crazy. They didn't want right? to take like, it from that. They didn't want to yeah. give him a note or something. Like, there's a way better way to communicate <laughs> than this to throw a baseball at someone. <laughs> hey, we yeah, got yeah, you. Yeah. The games were broadcast yeah, yeah, over like you know tele like telegraph. They were like you know radio. Like they had like betting halls. You know, but you couldn't watch the game. It was you know, oh. like the, the, yeah. so you know they were in a betting hall somewhere across the country and heard you know Seacott hits you know I forget who it was you know with uh, with the pitch goes to first and there's a there's a great scene of this in Eight Men Out where uh, Arnold Rothstein walks in hears that and turns around and leaves and knows that he's already won the guy who fixed the series once he heard that you know it was in he knew so it's pretty cool and you know there was a, you know there was a game eight in that World Series too yep yeah it went more Very than seven. Yeah. You have the ticket for eight? You have the clincher? No, I don't have the clincher. I didn't, that but it's sense. it's it's a rare ticket to find. I think I that just went for a couple hundred grand on, on Heritage. That's hey, you know what? I, I see this goes to uh, what I saw on REA auctions just recently. So they had a Jackie first hit. Uh, April 17th, it was a bunt laid down, third, third at bat, April 17th, 1947. So if you didn't know, if you didn't know baseball, if you weren't a historian, if you didn't really do some research on that ticket, you would think that was the only significance behind that ticket. And that's the only way it was labeled. Even PSA only had it labeled that way. That was also Duke Snyder's debut game. So I mean, yeah. So whoever bought that probably discounted it because it didn't have the other information on there. Probably by about twenty grand. He probably got a deal on it. So Jackie Robinson's first hit is third at bat. It was a bunt. It was also Duke Snyder's first game. Game, yeah. first game, yeah. So the ticket has double, double relevance. Double. So, there's so much significance. That's another thing I look for when I'm buying tickets. If you go to my Mickey Mantle debut game, okay, it's got gate six, uh, section seven. 
So in his first debut, Jersey's. he wore number six. Yeah, yeah he wore number yeah. six. Yeah. And then uh, he got sent back down. He got, came back up, and six wasn't available, so they gave him seven. I just got I would have type one where he was wearing number six because he first came up. You know, Mantle got sent down to the minors, Andrew. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. That's probably because yeah. he had After one of his girlfriends debut. down there. <laughs> no, that's DiMaggio. It's, he he DiMaggio and Mantle. So, so let me ask you the Andrew question, Mark, because I know our listeners are thinking this. Andrew, how are you not asking this? Andrew has a take. He actually presented this take to Don Mattingly, and Don Mattingly didn't call him a lunatic. And it, it may actually be more of a valuable answer from you, who has all of this baseball history, all of this you know these, these great baseball um, you know pieces of memorabilia. Um, why don't you ask me a question, Andrew? Ask me a question sure. And me. you know what's cool about this? My take has actually evolved. I have more uh, facts behind it. But what I said is if baseball doesn't uh, adapt to the changes and more in marketing than in actually the pace of play and all that stuff, they're going to be in extinct in 20 years. Do you agree, disagree, and why? Okay. So I don't think ever, baseball will ever be extinct. Um, I, I just think they need to catch up with technology. Um, but if you get rid of the human element, like if you get rid of the umpires, forget about it. You can, you lose me as a fan. Um, I think you got to have someone behind the plate calling balls and strikes. Well, but I don't well, think it, it goes extinct. No. Let me let me elaborate because uh, I pick up on this uh, from an interview Andrew Schultz did actually. Um, so if you go on Netflix or Hulu or any of these streaming sites, if you do a screen share, like or you do a screenshot. It won't mm -hmm. let you do it. It turns the screen black, yeah. which uh, Mark's nodding his head. And what that does is it cuts out word of mouth, right? Like think about how virality spreads today. It's mm -hmm. all, we're all like uh, individual kind of like journalists spreading the word. Like, hey, did you see John Moran's dunk, right? Did you see Anthony Davis go out after eight minutes? Did you see, right? And we, t we take it, we clip it and we share it. And it's really free marketing. It's free word of mouth. What baseball ended up doing was they guarded that. They put firewalls and said only MLB is allowed to distribute content of MLB. And what I've seen happen is NBA gain a ton of popularity, even though they have all the China stuff, which is a bigger deal than people realize. They still have grown in popularity despite that. Football, mm -hmm. same thing. But baseball, I feel like it shoots itself in the foot by crippling the reputation of their stars not promoting past Hall of Famers, who we all know, Bonds and all those guys, incredible players, and then not allowing players or people to spread um, media to other to other through fan accounts the way basketball does. So that was like yeah. my more elaborated take. I think they're missing the boat on not allowing you and I to regurgitate highlights via our Instagram, Twitter, whatever page we use or whatever medium we want to use. Yeah, they, they're they missing the boat on that one. What about the fact that games are three and a half hours long? And, I mean, when it was it was a day in the park, you know, it used to be a family thing, you know, used to be able to go and, you know, um, like horse racing was a bigger deal too. Same thing. You spend the day, the race, the whole deal. It's not as huge as it was previously. I think what Andrew's kind of saying is, you know, the sport itself is not keeping up with the times because his generation and the ones that come after him, they can only pay attention to something for like – as long as this podcast, and even then, yeah, yeah football is three and a half hours. Football yeah, games moves, are, moves faster, moves yeah, faster. A lot more activity during the three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So, pinpoint the issue with me on the longevity of these games, and I can t probably tell you what they can do to solve the problem. But I don't think there's, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's one one issue. I don't think it's a certain. I just think it's the game. It's nine innings of baseball. Now they made it longer because of replay and you can challenge, they can challenge a, a call from the umpire. So they've made it a little bit longer there, but you don't see a lot of challenges going on during the game. They need to do VAR, man. VAR is amazing. Like the, they, they like, you have this like little tell set or whatever it's called. And they just call in and say that was a strike and quick. If they, if they can do that, I mean, whew, mm, I don't know. I mean, it's it's accurate. Don't get me wrong, but you still need a guy behind the plate. That's all. Like, I mean, you take that away. I think it's the biggest thing I don't like about baseball, as opposed to the other sports. And I've talked about this a couple of times, and I don't know if there's a way to fix it. I doubt there is. I mean, it's more. You could say it's more of a team game. You know what I mean? I, I'm watching soccer. In soccer, 
you know, the guy who plays defense is also not getting your scoring opportunities. You know, they set it up so that when they're doing this stuff, you know, there are some defenders that get out there, you know, on set plays, you know, they had, but there are the top guys go out there and they, they do their stuff. You know, they, I don't know what the hell just happened. I'm talking to myself here, which is weird, but I'm going to continue. The soccer guys, they go out there and they, you know, Mark, hopefully come back in. I'm adding, yeah. Mark, I'm adding you back to the stream. I don't know how, but I added you back in. We're all good. So what I'm saying was in soccer, um, you know, they set the field up, right? And when there's penalty kicks, they get to pick who's going to take the penalty kick for them. The best penalty kicks, they even sub them in to do the penalty yeah. kicks. In basketball, you know, five guys on the court, they set up a play. If they need to win the game at the last second, they need a shot. They need it to go in. Michael Jordan's going to take it. LeBron's going to pass it. Mm -hmm. I mean, take it. Kobe Bryant's going to take it. That was a joke. Sure. Andrew. Um, about LeBron <laughs> passing it. And, um, you know, in, in football, Mahomes is going to have the ball with 15 seconds left, and, and he's still going to win, you know, or, you know, Marino, Montana, you know, the, they put the ball in the hands of their guy who they want to have the ball to win. In baseball, it's bottom of the ninth. You're down by one. You know, the Yankees may have to send up Aaron Hicks instead of Aaron Judge, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Well, exactly. But go back to the 80s or the 90s, mid-90s, when Atlanta was dominant, okay, and they yeah. had – Clavin and Smoltz and Maddox, and they you would enjoy watching those guys paint the plate yeah. with the with the pitches. I mean, it was crazy how accurate each one of them was. Smoltz more of a, a power pitcher, and he actually went a yeah he went to be a closer later on in his career. But I mean, those guys were it was deadly. These guys today, hmm. I mean, there's some pitchers out there that can pitch like that, but it's it's usually pretty. Uh, most of them can be qualified as closers as well. What do you think of the Mets moves? Like the, the, they say, pitching wins in the po in the postseason, but you got to get there and 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 actually give these guys a, a fair chance. Not one game and you're out. They got rid of Degrom, didn't they? Degrom's they a beast. I, I like Degrom. Uh, I did too. But they got rid of him. They went to Texas, didn't he? Yep, they want Verlander and Kate Upton. They want her in the stands cheering them on. It's good media <laughs> and Verlander. He's a was that your Dougie? Guy. You just doing a Dougie there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I like I like the pitching, man. I mean, those short contracts give somebody forty five million dollars because if they're a bust, they're a bust for a year or two rather than a bust for nine years. Yeah, so I don't exactly. I don't mind that. I like Degrom, but he couldn't stay healthy. And the pitching strategy, Andrew, of getting him there. You know, they, they did get to the playoffs last year, but Scherzer really doesn't show up in the playoffs. He's a pretty overrated, you know, pitcher in the playoffs. And Verlander, you know, he's been terrible until this past year. And even this past year, he had a six ERA in the playoffs, basically. So, I mean, you know, get these guys to the playoffs. Neither of them have really been playoff steamrollers anyway. They, they can't mash like our Phillies can. The Phillies have had a great offseason. The fact that you lost Harper for a half a season coming up is bad, though. He's gonna Harper's be rested. Out. He's gonna be rested. <laughs> we got you guys got Nola too, huh? Yep. Over there in Philly. Yeah. So he's an old LSU guy. He used to walk, he used to go to games and watch him pitch all the time there. Mark, LSU. tell me you shook hands with uh Coach Oregon. Orgeron. Orgeron. I've sat at a dinner table with Ed Ozeron before. Who has a deeper voice? He and there's no one <laughs> else. Can you can you understand the guy when he talks? No, he yes. has peanut butter in his it's, mouth. Uh, it's like he's gargling with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so beloved. That LSU team was insane. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was not – I'm telling you, a lot had to do with him, but I'm going to tell you, Burrow was probably the smartest football guy on that field when they're with that team. What Burrow and Chase. Smartest? The guy, smartest. Smart new football inside and out. Knows football inside and out. Grew up with football. He's right, a, his, he's a smart football guy. His dad is the Ohio State. It was, I know his dad's a coach. Uh, I just don't remember where. It's not Ohio State. It was uh some third rank. I don't know. I don't know what college it was, or even I think maybe even might have been high school. But yeah, Justin Jefferson on one side, Jamar Chase on the other side. Was Leonard Fournette there, or he already left at this? Point? No, he'd already left. Yeah. He'd already left. So it was um, Clyde Edward Delaire uh, was the running back. That's so, I mean, it was deadly. That thing was that team was deadly. I mean, and cocky, they could come off the field. I went to every game, I traveled to every away game. Um, he, I mean, every time Burrow would come off the field, he'd point to his finger, he's getting a ring. I mean, just the guy is cocky. So, Mark, listen, that's a great segue. You love your LSU guys, right? Mm -hmm. But 
are you buying besides you know a couple of Joe Burrow chases here and there mm-hmm. with the modern stuff? Are you going after any of these guys? Uh, Andrew here famously is a huge Jamar Chase fan. Loves Jamar Chase. Love Jamar, mm-hmm. Chase. Jamar sure. Chase collection together. Is there anything you tell him to buy for Jamar Chase, or just buy a game used rookie jersey for him, or not? Even? I would. I would. I would. I would go to Fanatics and and talk to my guy at Fanatics and just buy a game used jersey for him. Because uh, I mean, like I said, these mass produced, yeah, for Jamar Chase. Uh, these mass produced cards are. It's crazy. What? Tell me what rare rookie card. There's so many rookie cards for these guys now. I mean, which one is going to be his true rookie? Which one's going to be valuable 20 years from now? Or, you know, he's a wide receiver, so does he last 20 years? I mean, Jerry I, mean, Rice, I like talking long- to you about this. So it's fun. I, I mean, when I collected UFC cards for a while, I had a friend who, you know, who used to tell me, hey, you, you just paid how much for a, a, a card with a UFC used glove piece in it? And it had an autograph of, you know, the fighter's glove and the whole thing. I'll get his whole glove that he used in a fight. Do you want to buy that? And I would tell him, no. I don't want that because it didn't come in a pack. It wasn't pack pulled. It's not that cool. I can't put it in a slab and show it off like this and the whole deal. You are swinging the pendulum to the entire different direction saying, you know what? The cards are, they're a piece of the jersey. They're not the whole jersey. And who the hell knows what it's even from and whether it was used in any specific game or whatever it is. I'd rather go get the jersey. So is what does that say then? We talked about the future of baseball. You think it's not dying like Andrew says. But it can make some changes. What about the future of cards? What do you think the future of cards? The yeah, I will. I'll just tell you my strategy. I will mm-hmm. not buy a non-game used jersey patch. I will not buy a, a sticker auto. If it's not an on-card auto with a game used patch in it, it, you can forget about it. These guys are getting seven figures in some cases for these things. Why not buy a game used jersey and then commission upper deck or or flawless to panini to make a few cards for you how many jerseys can you make out of a game used jersey that you own how many cards can you make say that you know again. I mean? so say that again because that's we've done 870 episodes i've never heard that so buy the full jersey then yeah. go to the manufacturers and say hey i got this jersey can we Mission do something them. with yeah. so we don't need to flip to each other let's just flip it to these manufacturers Exactly. So the demand for the um, what we're going to call this um, the gold line for Goldberg, or should we call it uh, not flawless? We'll call your jersey product flawed. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be we're going to hack up a Jamar Chase, you know, jersey game used. It's one gun, and it's going to be flawed. By Goldberg, and if you number it to ninety nine, who the hell is buying photo that? Jamar Chase? Yeah, yeah. You know, Tops has a pedigree. Joe Burrow's has a pedigree. You know, like they, you know, they put out these cards, but at these sets, that's what it creates the demand. I mean, it all, it sounds great. I'm going to go buy a jersey and hack it up into 100 cards and call it the flawed line by Andrew. But who the hell's buying it? You know, so that, I mean, I love the idea. I think what you're saying is the I'm trying you need to, to have a card, as, use a card. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm trying to use that as an example. Why not have the whole jersey or. You can have a piece of one that wasn't any tied to any specific game or player, um, but it's attached to the player's card, and then it's got a sticker auto. I mean, it makes no sense. So are you all right economically with card, no like rookie autos or your your regular cards? You know, like what on card rookie autos? I'm good. I'm good with those. Matter of fact, the college flawless or the college yeah the flawless college cards are usually all game used on card autos with their college uniform and on with card their college and, uniform that's right yeah and usually a little more reasonably priced as well yeah and you, the you, unlicensed mlb cards too usually have game used jerseys the flawless like the, you, if you what, see shohei or i'm yeah. sorry andrew go ahead no no f- f- finish up i I've, I've, i was going to change to a different topic that i'm kind well, of you if you see a flawless, unlicensed MLB card, Shohei or pool holes, and you won't see them, they, you won't see their logos from their uniform on them, but you will have a game use patch and you will have an on card auto. Think about that for a second, Andrew. The licensed product is giving you a Dick's jersey with a sticker. The unlicensed is going to most likely have a game used with an on card auto. That's great. <laughs> And they go for less. And they go for less. And they're cheaper. It's crazy. It just makes no common sense at all. 
Do you, I mean, that's Mark, just are you a New Yorker? Are you a New Yorker originally? I feel like you are, but I, I don't want to be presumptuous. Yeah, I'm actually from California originally. <laughs> I've lived in, look, I lived in New York a little while. I lived in Florida, Kansas City. Omnicom bought my advertising company about 20 years ago when they bought Steiner out. We were, me and Steiner were together at the same time. Steiner Sports, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah Omnicom is a big advertising. You know, um, <laughs> Omnicom's on Madison Avenue right there. And I used to spend a lot of time on Madison Avenue. All right, pivot. You, you have a 1960, this is a two-part question. You have a 1963 okay. welcome dinner for John F. Kennedy. I do. Were you in attendance and was the CIA <laughs> behind the assassination? Wait, wait, wait. Do you, wait, wait before you answer that, do you know no one was in attendance? Do you know that was the this is a, this is a welcome the, dinner? This welcome, probably 12 people. Maybe he's, 14. I hope he's joking. No, I hope he's, he's gotta joking. be. He's gotta be. Kidding. He's gotta be joking. Hey, listen, listen. So I'm an 89 is, baby. This is 26 years before. All right, go ahead, How would tell, I him what that, tell him why that is. Okay, so, Andrew, so that was they the day. Steak. Kennedy, <laughs> Kennedy's driving around Dallas, and that was the day he got shot in the head. Okay, that dinner was that night, got canceled. So they didn't have the dinner. What happened to all the food? Oh God! <laughs> nice trolling. Went into the nice He's trolling us. Definitely trolling us. <laughs> Gotta be trolling us. It's okay. Was the CIA behind it? That was my second question. I'm gonna say this. I think Cuba was behind it. Put it that way. Always bring blame the communists. I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, listen. Hey, that's the missile crisis. I mean, come on. The fact that we're talking about it and it's still a conspiracy in the whole deal it makes that piece even more cool. Because I think there's three of those in existence. That's when did you just decide? Did you see that somewhere, or did you know that someone had one? You're like, I gotta get one of those, or did you see it and say I had to have it? Or did you was there a hunt for it? How does that happen? The whole plan was for John to sign it. (laughs) (laughs) I waited all night, too. Uh, (laughs) I showed up to the dinner, and there was no one there. (laughs) Terrible. Oh, god. Um, this whole episode has gone back and to the left. (laughs) <laughs> um so you take an 80 t- take an 86 Fleer uh Jordan, okay? A rookie card. And then you take an 84 Jordan red debut ticket. Population maybe 21, maybe 30 depending on what report you're looking at. And then you look at the Jordan 86 Fleer who a lot of people think is the most iconic basketball card out there which actually in the PWCC iconic 100 got number 1 basketball card out there. Uh, most iconic. Okay, so what's rare? The 320 population of the Gem Mint 10, if you want to take the whole population, how many thousands of cards, 86 players are there? You can't find more than 30, 40 um, debut tickets to his first game ever set foot on the court in an NBA game in the NBA during the season. I mean, what's rare and more significant to you? You own both. I own both of them. I own the stickers. I didn't have, didn't have to I'm, choose. I mean, if I'm being well. fair, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you probably would also have a difficult time finding soda cups that were used during that debut game as well in the stadium. And you're coming from. You know, so really what it comes down to is, it, yes, the supply is less, but the demand is also a lever that gets pulled in the equation of value. The tickets. I think you're right. They are scarcer and they are rarer and they are, you know, if you're just doing the supply side, there's significantly less supply. One tenth of the supply of a PSA 10, um, you know, Jordan rookie card. But What's I think it would also be. What about that, the significance of that ticket? Oh, it's an amazing because, significance, but collectability, yeah. right? So what about the demand for it, right? So, so you know, I would say that. You know, you have to do one of these like levers, right? Let's just mm-hmm. say 300. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's 300 PSA 10s and there's 30 tickets, right? I don't. I think that there are a thousand people who would pay ten thousand dollars for the rookie card, right? Oh, but I, yeah. but I'm just I'm using numbers, but maybe yeah, yeah. there's only a hundred people that would pay ten thousand dollars for the debut ticket. I'm, the numbers are wrong, but I'm trying to do kind of like a there's a breaking point where there's I believe ten there's ten times as many people who would pay a set amount for the rookie card as would pay that same amount for the ticket. I could be wrong. So that's No, you're right right now. The shift is starting, though. 
It started in 2021 in March and February when it just ballooned. Okay. The shift has started. People are starting to see the, um, the significance of these other rare collectibles of the debut tickets, um, how a player started their career that day. They set their foot. I mean, look at Kobe Bryant's debut ticket. I have the only full Kobe Bryant debut ticket that's even in existence. And there's only seven stubs, I think, seven or eight stubs. So the significance of that day, not realizing what was going on in front of your eyes and seeing what happened. Jordan's rookie card wouldn't be as significant or as popular or in demand today if it wasn't for Jordan playing as well as he did throughout his career, especially Correct. in the 90s, right? Correct. Okay. So why what makes his that card more significant than his than his debut ticket? I can tell you. Be, be, okay. His so, face is on it. I mean No, so so it it's at the heart of collectability and value. I think that you have to add a couple of little magic ingredients into it about nostalgia and the chase. And when I was a kid, right, the 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 only people who had a Michael Jordan rookie card in any kind of category were people who were much better off than me and my family. And when I collected, sure. you know, I'm talking later on, right? When I collected, sure. I was like, all right, you know, like Mickey Mantle, like the rich kid's dad had a Mickey Mantle rookie card, right? Nobody when I was collecting said, all right, the rich kid's dad's the one that has the Mickey Mantle debut ticket, right? Also the same kind of, you know, there's no, to me, no nostalgia, no look back to, oh, wow, you know, I always wanted to own one of those Michael Jordan rookie cards. Or, oh, wow. I always wanted a Mickey Mantle rookie card because that was what my dad wanted to have. Or my dad told me stories about how he would sure. flip that card with his friends, the whole deal. No one ever told the story with nostalgia about looking back at, you know, wow, I always wanted to own a ticket from the game. To me, right. and, and I get everything you're saying. Right. I, and this is your collectability. Your, you know, this is your, you know, your area. Is it more scarce? A hundred percent. Is it, is it yeah. potentially more meaningful? Sure. It's the ticket that got somebody who was there in attendance, right? Although full tickets, it's somebody who forgot to go. Yeah, forgot to go. Funnier, right. It's somebody who I didn't the use one. the ticket. Yeah, right? that is so, a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, but, but to me, part of what makes the cards, you know, interesting is, you know, somebody pulled it from a pack, you know, and I chased it and I didn't get it. Or, hey, I opened packs when I was a kid and this was the card I couldn't get. Or, you know, look at this ultra scoring Kings, Michael Jordan. I had one of those when I was a kid, but mine was chipped to shit. Now I can afford one that's in really great shape or I go back and get it. I was never like, I went to games. I have one ticket, Patrick Ewing's uh, retire at his number. My wife, yeah. it's the only time she ever bought me tickets to anything. I saved the tickets. And every, I love Patrick and everybody, <laughs> and everybody that went to the game probably saved that ticket. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, get that's it. why debuts are so – yeah, but listen. So, okay. So, so the debuts um, – there's not one auction you can show me right now that doesn't have a Jordan in there of any grade. I mean, it's just you can look at any grade and it doesn't have a Jordan. Okay, yeah, so if you want one, you can go get one. Mm -hmm. You can go get one. Pretty fairly cheap now. I yep. mean, the seven or six, uh, you can get them fairly cheap. You you don't see the the debut ticket. So if you want to, let's call it instead of replacing your collection of Jordan cards, why don't you enhance your collection with a scarce, more rare item of his that's got a lot of significance to it? Is his debut ticket, and invest in that, and invest in one of those. I like it. I do. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. As I've started buying more cards, especially on auctions, one of the things that frustrates frustrates me as a buyer is seeing a card that I think I got a good deal on, a card that I really like, and seeing that card repeatedly hit the auction week after week after week. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is. It's like an unconscious thing because it's not a big deal. I, I, I like the card, and I actually like the price I got it. But I, I hate having to almost always have to watch it again and again and again on those auctions to just like kind of keep a pulse. It, there's yeah, something cool yeah. about not seeing it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you can, when you see how, how commonplace that card is and how easy it is to obtain, you kind of lose, it kind of loses its luster with you as well. So, um, what about grading yeah, autographs? To... So Mark, I, I love what you're saying. I, I kind of think about it as almost like a refined palette. You know what I mean? Like we can all buy a, you know, a Pinot Grigio and drink it with a pizza, but you're, you know, you're drinking Burgundies, you know, you got the, you know, you got the fancy wine coming out here now. So, so what I think of, and, and look, I don't want to say I'm going through it myself, but you know, Jackie Robinson was somebody I always wanted to collect. I always wanted to have, but I never bought his stuff. 
right? And and with this recent couple of years, there's been a huge run on prices for Jackie Robinson's cards, sure. right? And I know yeah. you have a Jackie collection and you've seen the price appreciation on his stuff. But I thought to myself, all right, I can get a, a, a low-grade 48 leaf or 52 tops. And I look at the prices on them and how much they've run. And I then flip over to, let me look for a Jackie Robinson autograph. And let me look for maybe a PSA 10 autograph, an autograph of his that, you know, is a perfect one, not on a check that got canceled or, you know, there's a stamp over it, but like a Mm -hmm. real nice, I don't know how many of them there are. So that's the first, you know, issue that I have with, you know, collecting jerseys and collecting, you know, uh, tickets and the whole deal, right? The population, I mean, tickets, you got it. Cards, they have this kind of history of collecting. There's not going to be this discovery of some, you know, I mean, it happens every now and again in a black swamp somewhere, but you kind sure. of have some education of like, all right, this is the rarity. This is the scarcity. This is the population I'm collecting. I kind of know how many 48 leap Jackies there are. But if I want to go out and buy PSA 10 autos, you think that ever happens? You think anybody uh, can take a guess how many there are? You probably know. I, you probably know where all of them are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, though. I'm going to tell you that I would rather have a 52 Jackie than a 48 Jackie, first of all. 52, high number series, 312. It's um, It's got its own story in itself. I mean, the rarity there is there just from the story that it tells from that high number series that got dumped in the Hudson. Okay, so there's that. Uh, top Tops' first baseball issue with Jackie, yep. you know, Jackie. In it. Red background. Red background. Looking, yep. Yeah. Good looking card. So I have two of those, and I love them to death. Um, so I'd rather have that over the 48, but I still collect the 48. Now, I went to enhance my – I'm going to use the word enhance because I, I collect everything. I collect cards, but I enhance it with a signature, a cut. It actually isn't a cut. It's a mail-in that in 19 – I think it was 1952 or 53. Um, the team had these mail-ins, and you can mail the – to Vero Beach in Dodger Town. And one of the players would sign your melon. Well, this so happened to be signed by Jackie Robinson to this lady. And I obtained that. And there was a significance behind it because the team only did it one year. It was a melon to the team. They distributed them at the camp, at baseball camp or spring training. And Jackie Robinson signed, happened to sign this one. So there wasn't too many of those either. So if there's a story behind the, the signature, you can get the cuts. I mean, you know, I think Darren Ravel has a check that he wrote for rent to the guy that rented his house when Richie, when um, Branch Richie uh, first hired Jackie Robinson to play for the, the Dodgers. That house that he rented the room for from up, upstairs. So it's not enough so to he, have a Jackie Robinson autograph. It's not enough to have no. a perfect autograph. You have to have an autograph that has a story to it also. That's where the significance comes in. So, so it's not like, rare. If I bought one that said Jack Robinson that was signed in 1938 on his yearbook page, that's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Now, thank you, Brigandy. <laughs> now, his wife signed a lot for him, though, too. So you got to decipher those, too. Yeah, this I, one's I love, slammed. PSA I love 10, what I'm so hearing about the in, enhance, by the way. Like now I'm kind of getting a picture. It's not enhanced. You're thinking, okay, how do I have an awesome Jackie Robinson collection? Okay, obviously, I need his 48, I need his 52. I, I need an auto, maybe a ticket stuff. And you think of it a little bit more holistically under the player's name versus sure. this one card. I check the box that I move on. I like that. Yeah. So, and, and I can show a collection that way. So I can show my Jackie collection and display it better um, and tell the story behind everything that way and why I collect that. See, if I was going to buy an enhanced collection, I'd buy Barry Bonds, Tatis, maybe McGuire. Ew. Ew. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, come on. Enhanced. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we all know how good the food is in New Orleans, to the point where Zaya now has stage fright of just telling you what he's going to eat. Mark, wh- why have you not had a meeting? What? Well, have you had a meeting with him? Why can't you get him, or why haven't you got him on your plan? Oh, Zion, have you seen him lately? He's lean. Per- he's big and lean. Not on Panini cards. Panini hates him. Well, that's his rookie card. (laughs) His 50, uh, or I think he lost like 50 pounds this offseason. He's back in lead. I just went to a game. He's looking good. Oh, he looks looks like he played linebacker for the Saints. 
He looked, he looks good. Yeah. He's got arms bigger than mine. I hope so. <laughs> what are the best foods? What's the best gumbo in New Orleans? Oh, my wife's. Oh, good answer. <laughs> that'll make that'll make up for what I said. Make up for saying it was like the, the cool one. The best beignets in New Orleans. Oh, Cafe Dumont, easy. Cafe Dumont. You can kill yourself at Cafe Dumont. I mean, with the chicory coffee, which doesn't have any caffeine in it. I don't care what anybody tells you. Chicory doesn't have chicory coffee doesn't have caffeine in it. So you don't you can't get a caffeine high, but you can get a sugar high there. I mean, and wear wear a bib because uh, the powdered sugar <laughs> gets everywhere. <laughs> how did you find yourself in New Orleans? Like, how, you know, was it my wife's like, from here? My wife's from here. So his her dad was my sergeant major in my, one of my last duty stations, and that's I met her. At, she was working at a hospital close by. This isn't a card question, but. What really drew me to your page? So it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. The quote on yeah. your Instagram page. Um, you've lived a, a very full life. So, you know, you hear all the time people go to war, people go to the army, and they struggle to kind of acclimate back into society, right? You have gone to war, you've, you've defended this country, you've come back, you've bought a business, you have a collection. You mind sharing, like, kind of how you've thought about that, just like from a philosophy of life, like how you've been able to do and have lived such a full life? Structure and discipline. Uh, be it you yourself. Yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yourself. You got to have structure. Yeah, I mean, and when I say structure, you got to go to bed at the same time every night. You got to get up at the same time every morning. You got to have the same routine. If not, you're, you're going to drive yourself batshit crazy. Um, and they tell you that, you know, if you go through P PTSD, um, issues and, and counseling, you, they're going to tell you that, um, to do that, to get your life that, that way you're organized and you're, you, you have some structure around you and then discipline. Um, I've always disciplined my kids. If they don't look you in the eye and shake your hand when they shake your hand or, um, say yes, sir, no ma'am, yes, ma'am, no man, um, then they're in trouble. So my kids have always been real disciplined when it came to respecting other other people i put you in charge of this country tomorrow right we put you in. <laughs> what's the first thing you do what's well, the first thing you change what cage i can't ask you can you can you can you ask whatever you like it's your show but i you know some of the stuff i would do if you gave it you never put me in charge of the country i'm telling you this i would i'm glad uh the basketball player the wnba player got released because any american over russia's release is fine um that was today but I would have also negotiated a deal for the Marine that was stuck over there too. That's falsely accused of espionage. And that's, that's just not coming from me. That's coming from everybody in our higher government. So I don't know why he wasn't included in that deal and how she got included so easily for a drug or a gun smuggler, but it happened. So I don't agree with that. There's a cool side story of it is they got a statement from his family. Did you read it? Nick, I did. I actually listened to the brother today, and they're glad that um, Gardner got home. They're glad for that, and they're, they're they're hoping and praying for the release of the brother. So yeah, we all are, but they—I mean, it's amazing what they said, Andrew. They were like, you know, that if you get a chance to, you know, to get any American home, get the American home. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. You have to. So that's. To. I, mean, I don't know what they. You know, that's too far above my pay grade as far as understanding why how she got released for uh, uh, a gun smuggler and he did not. But um, I mean, I'm sure there's reasons behind it. Cage, we've done 870 episodes. I mean, yep. it's a privilege to sit in front of Mark and, and be able to ask him about his collecting and serving our country. So I, I really would have been remiss not to ask. I, I know it's a sports card podcast, not a political podcast, but I, I've said this quite a few times to our audience. Like I learned a lot from, the people in front of me, not just about cards, but about life and how they think about it. Because I'm 32 and I want to live a full life. And I look at a lot of people as, as role models and they could share a lot. So I think our audience as well would love to hear from them. How many, uh, how many times have I asked for a guest to be on? And what do you have? About hundreds of guests? Mark, you're one that's been, uh, uh, we can count them on one hand how many I've said, Andrew, this is the guy I want on. So 100%. 100%. Everyone's been a home run that you've asked for, Cage. Well, he's the man. I mean, Mark's the man. So here's my, my thing, right? Because, you know, our audience gets a lot from a lot of different things. So probably the last five minutes, they'll get more from than, you know, most guests who come on. 
but I, I'd love to take it home with this. All right. There are people listening now who have been through some, you know, some, you know, rocky times in their collection. And they may not have the, you know, the life that you've had where, you know, someone will listen to this and saying, I'm not going to call up fanatics and get a Jamar Chase jersey. I can't afford that. But maybe they've now been, you know, had their eyes open to memorabilia or tickets or something like that. Mm. Is there, you know, is there some something out there you could point them to that's, you know, what we'd call an entry level, you know, memorabilia, something (laughs) where they can kind of get their feet wet. You know what I mean? Learn about something like I will give you an example. Like the Jackie Robinson autographs that I'm buying, I mean, I got them mm-hmm. for like $3,000. You know, it's yeah. not, not a huge, you know, I mean, that's that's not cheap, right? But it's, that's you know, cheap. it's less than a low grade, you know, 52 tops, right? Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. you know, something like that is kind of, I've been telling people about also just as, hey, you know, I never really collected autographs. Andrew made fun of me. I'm a rookie card guy. Don't give me the <laughs> autographs, right? So is there something you're kind of focusing on, something without getting letting the cat out of the bag? You know, you want to corner the market, that's fine. But, you know, what, what no. can you tell somebody that, that doesn't want to break the bank but does want to get into it and kind of learn a little? Okay, it's, tickets are easy. So that's an easy one. So cards, they got comps. Okay, so tickets, you can welcome yourself to the, the no comp world. And what you need to do, I mean, I don't know if you saw my story the last few weeks, but – I had uh, debut tickets for Pete Rose. They weren't cheap, okay? But I flew um, to Houston. Me and Fitterman, Ryan Fitterman got together. Uh, Pete Rose signed both of them. Now they're the only debut tickets signed by Pete Rose. So if you want to get into something that's rare, scarce, and significant, buy something that's not signed. And then try to, you know, try to hunt your signature down, like the old days. Um, you know, go, go signature hunting. And try to find these guys before they end up passing away and get a signature on these tickets or a card, if you would like. You know, start off small. You don't have to buy it right off the bat. You know, it's a signed Jackie Robinson debut. You're not going to ever find one. You're not going to ever get Jackie Robinson to sign one. Right. But um, something like the Pete Rose or even the Pele, um, you know, a Pele debut signed. Uh, you know, those are, you can get Pele to sign. I mean, get a debut fairly cheap and then get him to sign it. So there's sure. different ways to get a, an expensive or a significantly, um, valued collection. What about a LeBron yeah. debut ticket signed? Uh, okay. So obviously he was very anticipated when he was coming into the league. Everybody kept his debut ticket. Everybody. I think so high population. There's such a high population on his debut ticket. I'm not a big LeBron fan, um, but and I don't have his debut ticket. But I do have I had a rookie of the year jersey um, just to you know round off my collection up there with Kobe and Jordan. And then um, but hey, I'm not big on the LeBron tickets. I want to take this moment. I'll, I'll... Our podcast has grown a lot, and you know this, Mark. It's, it's just a testament to our team. And, Cage, I don't even know if you know this, but uh, Alex from our team who handles graphics and videos, he's a Marine as well. So I'd want to take this moment to also give him a shout-out. Uh, amazing teammate, just an amazing guy to work with. I want to give him a shout-out. He helps us so, so much, and really looking forward to working with him and the rest of the team to kind of keep growing what we're doing here in 2023. Uh, you have to take one item. With you, you have to give everything else away. What's that one night? With you, the Cafe Dumont. He's not saying you're dying anytime soon. <laughs> so worry about what you're going to get. Powdered sugar. This guy's soothsayer. an epitome of health. Um, I'm gonna. I'm taking the Jackie debut. It's got the most significance. It's the rarest item I have. It's yeah. It's the Jackie debut. Definitely a pleasure. An absolute pleasure. A legend. Will you be at any shows coming up in, in the near future? Where can people find you, Mark? I'm going to the Natty. I'm going to Chicago in August. I'll be there. Are you guys going to be there? Of course. We'll be there. Been to the get last few. We have not had a booth, but we, we'll have to we'll have to think about it. We'll have to think about it. I have it. to ask you. Let me ask you a question. Okay, Shoot. so why – I can see the, the Luca-LeBron uh, correlation <laughs> there, but why Tiger? I mean, I like Tiger. I got every single Tiger badge. Um, or Masters badge signed by Tiger Woods that he's ever won the Masters. All five of them. So you can't um, tell just from looking at me, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm actually part Tiger. Oh, all right. <laughs> go Tigers! Tigers. Tigers. Tigers accolades off. 
the golf so, course are really the, what we're aspiring for. Correct. correct. I got you. Yeah. Hey, the, the, week, the week Andrew explained to me what a podcast was back in July of 2020 when we started this thing and I had never oh, even sure. heard of a podcast before. My kids and I were watching The Wizard of Oz and they were running around the house singing lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And Andrew says... You know, hey, we got to name this podcast something. So I said, hey, kids, what should we name this podcast? And they're like, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. I'm like, well, it's there are lions and there's tigers and bears. People, what about Lucas and tigers and bronze? Oh, my. And boom, that was it. It was literally like that. And <laughs> Not like, easy. Uh, hey, and every and company I ever just, started was that right there. Speed, 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 speed. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, sure. and Cage's daughter made the logo. Everything we've done, it's, we have, it's a bit awesome. the ground That's up. Good logo too, bro. Right. It's, so it's we're very what's your what's your audience? I mean, what's your, what's the what kind of uh, viewership do you have? I'm huge in Australia. It's like crocodile oh, yeah? dundee, <laughs> shrimp on the Barbie, me, then shrimp off the Barbie. Like I'm, I'm what about North five. Korea. How do you how do you guys rate North Korea? <laughs> 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 Andrew's who's there? Andrew's uh Andrew's big with the drug culture. <laughs> in, ter- in terms of in terms of how big is our audience or why do they listen both both the the question was how big is your audience but um yeah cage is the numbers guy i believe people listen because they know that we're willing to have the difficult conversations we're not partisan like we could have people on from both sides of the hobby aisle so to speak sure um they love the banter i believe and they see the Cage is a seasoned collector, right? He's been collecting with his father from a young age and never really gave it up versus I'm sort of the, maybe the newer generation that collected as a kid and came back during COVID. And that like, not, not the friction, but like, Hey, Cage, I want to buy Mahomes, And he tells me why Mahomes might be a bad investment. Um, and that I think allows them to learn using my mistakes versus using their own mistakes and using Cage's experience to save time and money and things like that. Sure. It's fun. Sure. A couple thousand a day across all platforms. We've been downloaded over a million times. Um, oh, wow. Combined, yeah. so. That's big. That's big. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, I think I think these guys get too cut up. I think mean, there's too many flippers. I, I just, I, they look back on their price and what they sold, and they, they regret what they sold for. They regret what they bought for. I think it, there's too much of that going on. It's not really – it's going to destroy your your enthusiasm for collecting. Okay. Uh, I think if you want to collect something, go out there and collect it, buy it. It is what it is. That's why auctions are so fun because you know, you can, you're competing with other people for that, for that item. Okay. You get it. It goes lower the next auction. Don't worry about it. I mean, just keep it in your collection. You're not buying it to flip. If you are buying it to flip, then you probably couldn't afford to buy it in the first place. I think the latter is what I think I'm learning. And I think our audience is learning too, because Collecting sounds good in theory, but if too much of your disposable income is in it and you're forced to yeah. sell, it's, it's difficult to collect. And a lot of people came in as entrepreneurs where this was their solo thing. So they didn't have outside cash flow to fund their hobby. So they would need to sell card A to buy card B to buy card C. And, or And I capitalized on that situation too. I gave uh, PWCC $3 million to put in their loan program before they got financing. And, you know, I was making 9% of my money every month. And Mark I, was loaning them money to loan. I, to loan out to other people. I, I got and to I, beat I gave him $4 million, So, uh, well, good for you. I'm just yeah. kidding. I don't have four got, million. I'll never have $4 million. I'll die before that. I, no, I have $4 million in debt, maybe. They took the program away, which yeah. I don't know why. But yeah, I know why. I mean, they probably got a lower interest rate and more funds. But um, you know they're they're st- still trying to raise ten million in cash. I got a actually a call with Betsy after this podcast. Hey now, say hi. Yeah, well, say hi. Got Mark, we it. always we always ask the last question. You know, is there anyone out there a collector, a business, someone that's doing it well that you want to kind of give a we say give flowers to? Yeah, who? Oh, geez, I like Darren Rebell's approach. Although he, you know, yeah, I like, like his approach to things. Fake news he's not diversified. <laughs> well, he's not diversified enough for me. I mean, I'm just talking collecting. When he yep. says uh. to other people, I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> commenting on that. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of opinions out there, but if you, uh, people that need to just slow down in their post and, you know, story after story, they're, they're commenting on 
why, why their collection is so much more important than yours, I think that needs to go away too. So if I had to comment on one collection, hmm, probably be Matty C. I like his collection because I like what he collects. Um, so shout out to him. I've two shout outs to Maddie C. This is two shout outs. I was on Rob at <laughs> the sports car therapist. We gave him yeah. a shout out too. So this Maddie yeah, C yeah. guys, go, go follow him. Very opinionated guy as well. It's a fun follow. Brigandi. Yeah, it's a fun follow. Brigandi. Yeah, they do a good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brigandi. Yeah, I just, I was at their last event, spoke at it. Um, you know, it's, it's just, they know how to collect. I think I like their collection too. I like their approach too. Mark, this is uh yeah. It's been a pleasure on behalf of our audience. Thank you for taking the time. I really encourage Luca Nation to reach out to Mark. It's Mark with a C, Mark Mater. Um, honestly, just so fun to kind of like look through. It feels like going down uh, memory lane, just going down like through your uh, through your Instagram feed. Mark, thank you so much. Cage, you're a legend. Luca Nation, we love you so, so much. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronzo Mai. I wanted to tell you about a new service that we have starting as of today and i'm really really excited to bring it to you guys so as a part of our partnership with sgc we got 50 free submissions every single month and many of you have taken advantage of that and it's amazing that we could have the opportunity to 650 episodes 675 episodes in to go ahead and give back to our community as people were sending those cards in they asked can we send five ten 20 more cards to you guys. We'll pay for it, but we wanted them graded with SGC. You guys know SGC is turning cards around in 13 to 14 business days, uh, have incredible customer service, and their secondary market values are going up day after day after day. And that's exciting for the hobby and exciting for the grading landscape. So we didn't want to just rush into it. We wanted to do it right. And what we did was I relocated here to Boca Raton, Florida. I opened up a P.O. box maybe five minutes away from SGC. And I will be hand delivering and hand picking up the cards. So you don't have to worry about anyone else touching your cards. It will be me. And I will update you every step of the way. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to personally pick up the cards from a PO box, prep them, new card saver, new penny sleeve, and deliver them to SGC every single Tuesday. Why Tuesday? Well, it lets the stragglers over the weekend come back through on Monday and gives me a day to prep, and it basically gives SGC the entire week to work on grading those cards. Once your cards pop, only then at the end of the process will you be paying for the service. It's $25 per card, simple as that, and the turnaround times have never been faster. We're hearing right now 13, 14, less than 20 business days. So there it is, 9170 Glades Road, number 135 is the P.O. Box in Boca Raton, Florida, 33434. 9170 Glades Road, number 135, Boca Raton, Florida, 33434. Of course, you could shoot me an email or shoot me a text anytime, and I'm always available. Many of you already have my email. It's Goldberg at gmail.com or my cell phone number 215-519-9154. Reach out with any questions. I could walk you through the process. I've hopped on the call with quite a few of you, and I'm happy to do that. Love you, Luca Nation.